you know, this is supposed to teach you a lesson. And if it doesn't, they're going to call your parents and say, you know, we're going to have to do something with your kid. And they got to get your parents on board to rein you in or your parents are going to get in trouble or your parents are going to get inconvenienced. Because if you get you get a three day suspension now, mom and dad who both work, they've got to figure out what to do with you for three days. And you carry this stigma if you're a bad kid who's always getting in trouble, you know, the other parents don't let their kids run around with you because, you know, they don't want their kids hanging with the wrong crowd. Welcome to the Off Grid Outpost podcast, where we discuss the journey to real liberty through self sufficiency, counter economics, non aggression, and the agora. The Outpost represents the border between societal norm and the pioneer spirit. Every episode contains practical, philosophical, and technical information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. Welcome, everyone, to the Off Grid Outpost podcast. Soon to be the Off Grid Agorist show. Little rebrand coming up. Just want you to be aware. I am here with my co host, Cyrus. Good morning. And today, we are reassuring you that you don't need to be tripping. You don't need to trip out about authority. <laughs> That's right. Don't be tripping about authority. Misplaced fear. Now, why is that? Misplaced fear. It's a good way to put it. Well, yeah, that's the more appropriate or not appropriate. That's the more official way to say, don't trip. <laughs> trip in. <laughs> so essentially, um, authority, why don't we need to be tripping on it? We've been taught our whole lives to trip on it. Well, I think part of the reason why it's been hammered into us so heavily is because those in authority know that it's a it's a very fragile mythology like all like they know that there's they know that there's only a hundred thousand of them and there's three hundred four you know three point four million of us right so it's it's a very fragile walk that they walk when it comes to authority and so from a very young age they have to beat into our head that we need to obey authority that it's we're only a good person if we're obedient we're a bad person if we're disobedient there's consequences to being disobedience there's there's rewards for being obedient all of that is hammered into us from early on respect my authority yeah it's a it's an illusion it's a mirage right the threats are real. I mean, the guys in costumes with 10 badges really do carry real guns. You know, so the threats yeah. are real. But the idea that, oh my gosh, if I do this thing, I'm going to get caught. That's the illusion. It's very unlikely that you're going to get caught doing the thing that they tell you not to do. Well, and we have um, used this analogy before. The Ants movie that was released. Oh, I don't know. That makes me feel old. That movie was released at least 20 years ago. (laughs) My kids were young. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So in the Ants movie, for those of you who hasn't watched it, 
there's the grasshoppers that have enslaved the ants through fear because they're big badass bullies. Yeah. And there's millions of ants that are serving the grasshoppers and the grasshoppers keep taking more and more from the ants in the form of food. And so they're working harder and harder, getting less and less, and they finally get fed up. And they have this epiphany that there's only, I don't know, a handful of grasshoppers controlling millions of ants. And mm-hmm. the ants have an uprising and take out the grasshoppers. It's the same mm-hmm. freaking situation. They make an example. You know, they make an example out of you. And one big yeah. thing right now that's going on is everyone in the crypto space is tripping on filing taxes over their crypto trades. Well, Because so many people fluke, have made so much money. Yeah. Yeah. And Uncle Sam wants, I think, 40 or 50% of profit from your crypto trades. And you're supposed to report every trade you do. And which is completely asinine if you're a day trader or a swing trader because mm-hmm. you're making hundreds if not thousands of trades. It's it's almost impossible to keep track of. So people are freaking out in the crypto space. I don't even know how I'm going to file my taxes or report any of this. I'm like just don't. Just don't, <laughs> right? Like just the don't. IRS the IRS does not have the manpower to track all those trades even if they have the ability they don't have the manpower. Yeah, they're exactly. going to make an example of, of a handful of people, maybe. But the odds of it being That's what you they'll do. are very small. It's so I small. Mean, it's so small. If you're small. Elon Musk, you can't get away with that shit, you know? Like, no. you're you're on no. the radar. But, but then again, if you're Elon Musk, you have lots of other ways to hide all that income. Uh, Speaking of Elon Musk, um, I signed up for Starlink this week. Did you? Yeah. No, I still haven't. I got my email. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, that's very exciting. We're going to be uh, we're going to yeah. be Starlink internet people within a handful of months. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. So, the ultimate off grid solution for uh, off grid Wi Fi, Starlink. Yeah. Very excited. I'll be doing a full report on that. We'll probably do a full episode on Starlink once we get it up and running. Shoot you. So that was a tangent. Um, getting back to crypto trades, which is also a tangent. So I have a feeling what they're going to do is they're going to take a couple of crypto influencers on crypto Twitter, which is where everybody hangs out. And they're going to be like, oh, man, I got audited and I owe 20 grand, 50 grand. And then everyone else is going to be scared. And And so everyone else is going to fall in line. And there was a guy on there, a crypto trader on there, who was fearing, practically fearing for his life about taxes. He's like, I am so afraid that I am not going to report correctly my crypto trades. And I, I I tweeted him back or whatever the hell you call it. And I just said, hey, the chances of that are so low. That basically what they do is they just make an example out of a few, and most of us will be fine. It's the oldest trick in the book. Mm -hmm. Make an example, the rest fall in line. And I got a bunch of likes on my tweet because I was telling them, hey, don't trip. Right. (laughs) Don't be tripping. tripping, So, Uh, But yeah, so to circle back to the main topic, um, how did we develop 
this fear of authority? Where where does that really come from? You know, as a child, I suppose. There's good reason for a healthy respect for authority when you're a child, because when you're a, a young child, your parents are your authority. And, you know, ideally, their job is to take care of you, protect you, teach you the ways of the world and that kind of stuff. So that's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. But then you get but then you get put into school and the uh, it, the dynamic changes from I'm your parent and I only want what's best for you to I'm the boss and you must do what I say because I say so. Like that's right. a different kind of dynamic. And if you're a bad kid in school, there's all these repercussions. Like they've even got the parents involved in it, you know. You get in trouble once, yeah. you get you get detention, after school detention or Saturday detention. And, you know, they put you in a room with all the other bad kids. And, you know, this is supposed to teach you a lesson. And if it doesn't, they're going to call your parents and say, you know, we're going to have to do something with your kid. And they got to get your camp parents on board to rein you in or your parents are going to get in trouble. Or your parents right. are going to get inconvenienced because if you get you get a three day suspension now, mom and dad who both work they've got to figure out what to do with you for three days, and you carry this stigma. If you're a bad kid who's always getting in trouble, you know the other parents don't let their kids run around with you because, you know they don't want their kids hanging with the wrong crowd. Can't let them hang a with the wrong scene. crowd, you know. And then there's that idea yeah. of the, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in the vice principal's office and him talking to me about my permanent record, you know, <laughs> like, like if I have to put you in detention again, it goes on your oh, permanent wow. record. And I'm thinking, what? Like, why do I have a feeling you're in that office a lot? Yeah, I would, I was in the vice principal's office quite a bit, but it was kind of a unique situation for me because my mom was a teacher and she she taught at the same school that I went to up until eighth grade. And so I kind of got a little bit, a little bit more slack, but I was also, yeah, privy you had a to, connection. Yeah. And I was also privy to conversations between teachers. Like I would get to hear them having their conversations with each other when they're talking about this kid who's disrupting the class. They're actually laughing about it because they thought it was funny. Whatever the kid was saying was clever and funny. But when they're in the class in front of the other students, they've got to act like, oh, my God, you're a terrible kid, you know. <laughs> Jesus. But, yeah. Interesting. Huh. So a lot of it starts in school. I mean, yeah. right out of the bat, we are trained to fear and obey authority or else. The or else. We've talked about this a lot. And the or else. If you else, don't do this. Yeah, mm -hmm. the or else usually contains uh, consequences that never happen. Even when right. you're like a criminal and you're in court, the or else is you could get 20 years and pay $10,000 in fines. But that never happens. Yeah. The or else is a threat. They don't want to put you in jail for 20 years. They want you to plea down to, uh, you know, Plead guilty and we'll give you 18 months. Which is still a shitty deal. Which is still a they shitty deal. They just make deal. it feel yeah, less shitty. They make it yeah, feel less shitty. Yeah, they make it shitty. feel less shitty. 
what people are really afraid of mostly never really happens. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah. did you have hall monitors when you were in junior high? Like some kid that was assigned to make sure people who were in the hallway yeah. had passes and shit. Were you a I kid I was just thinking of the classes? hall monitors, yeah. Were, did you ditch I classes? did all kinds of, uh, you know, I did, but I was very clever and sneaky. I was rarely, and I was the smart one. Yeah. Well, that's what you got to be. <laughs> I got like, away with freaking murder. Oh, my goodness. Like I we didn't had ditch hall often. But all you had to do was yeah. figure out where the hall monitor was at any given time, and you could, you know get down to the bleachers if you had to and smoke a joint with your buddies or whatever like the hall yeah, monitor it's yeah, kind of like the police going on it's kind of like the cop who's driving around town trying to find uh quote unquote criminals you know yeah you just got to be careful you got to be smarter than it's a game it's a cat and mouse game as i've said before cat and mouse game yeah because there's not enough of them well and you know, just going back to the permanent record thing. What the hell was that? That didn't even exist, did it? That was just a blatant lie. It may have been. I don't know. I, if my permanent record existed, That's I never saw record. it. I've never, since leaving high school, have ever been addressed by a permanent record or have met anyone affected by a permanent record. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think that's just a blatant lie that they use to create fear among children in school. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. I, I would imagine if my permanent record was a real thing, when I was applying to college, it might have come up. Like, there would have been some people concerned about my permanent yeah. record if it really followed me. <laughs> well, the permanent record it didn't even make it into going from high school into college. So it literally was a, it is a figment of their lie, basically. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. All right. Um, what about uh, mythologies? What about holidays? What about... Santa Claus? Um, yeah. Chicken who's naughty and nice? Yeah, do you want, do you want some coal? Reinforcing that through tra uh, tradition. Krampus. That's another big one. Not here, but... He's a very scary holiday... Uh, figure i'm not aware of do you know krampus. who oh you've got to look up krampus okay <laughs> so krampus is over in old europe like i don't know czechoslovakia that kind of thing and he's a horned devil so instead of santa claus the nice fat guy that'll give you presents but you get cold you're bad <laughs> krampus is the opposite he's the horned devil of christmas that will drag you down into hell if you're naughty so they don't even get the presents. They get screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't want to get dragged into hell by Krampus. So if you look it up, there's all sorts of cool folk art and tradition around Krampus. It's really quite interesting. And I love Krampus personally, but <laughs> I wouldn't want to be raised in a Krampus tradition. You know, that would suck. Right. Yeah, so Christmas, that reinforces the punishment reward. It does. I think that's the only Western holiday that really does. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. 
So from a young age, we've been taught to obey or else, fear the permanent record, uh, fret over getting coal in your stocking or getting dragged into hell, depending on what uh, culture you're from. Mm -hmm. So we're already off to like this very bad start. Then mm -hmm. we enter into adulthood and how does a fear perpetuate as young adults? How yeah, do they keep so, that going? Well, so you've got your job and at your job, you have your boss who is your authority and he has the ability to write you up if you are naughty and uh, yeah. he has the ability to reward you with pay raises if you're good. I just can't do that dynamic. I cannot work for other people. Like, I'm a very intelligent person, and I am very good at generating my own income by my own accord, but I cannot work for other people. I consistently get fired or have to quit before I get fired. Yeah. It's this ongoing thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. I've, I've and then you get labeled and stigmaed. Yeah. You get labeled and stigmaed as a bad employee and and how you can't hold down a job and then you feel like a crappy person. But the reality is, is that's just not your freaking blueprint. Mm -hmm. I never worked for anyone for more than a year and a half. That was about a year and a half was the longest job I ever had. Yep. And, you know, for the generation above me, like that was unlike you were just a bad citizen if you couldn't hold down a job for 20 years. Oh, yeah. You'd work at the hardware store for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then off your hardware store, but you could actually pay your mortgage and and uh, raise a family off of that one hardware store income. So that dynamic was a little different. Yeah. But yes, you had a job and you stuck to it and you did it for your entire life. And that was it. Mm -hmm. You know, entrepreneurs, freelancers, they were much more scarce back in those days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And, and now think, the internet has made it totally different. Yeah. I, I think also when you earn your own money, meaning you are responsible for how much money you make as an entrepreneur or a freelancer or whatever you want to call it, you have less of these fears. Like no one has mm -hmm. something they can hold over you because they're not controlling your money. And then when you become exactly. an agorist, you even lose more of that fear because now other fears that are placed on regular people don't hold a sway. And if you go off grid and let's, let's say you go off grid and you get rid of your debt. Now your credit score doesn't even matter. So yeah, you know, the, the more you can alleviate, the more you can remove these uh, fear-based control systems, the freer you become. Right. And so... Yes, and it's very liberating feeling. And then you can start seeing the forest for the trees. Yeah. When you start alleviating these systems that keep you in the fear. Right. There's been a lot of talk in the last years or two about the social credit score over in China and how that's a big deal. Are you aware of that? Oh man. Yeah. yeah. The social credit score. So I'm sure that is like a testing ground and the social credit score will become a thing everywhere at some point. But yeah, like 
unless your social credit score affects your ability to buy food, if you if you own your own property, if you can, if you are your own boss, if you don't have debt, if you, you know, all of these things won't even like your social credit score won't even matter because right. as long as you don't care how other people view you, you know, because there are people that view me, I'm sure as a bad citizen and I could care less. But that's yeah. part of that. That's part of the deep programming that you have to go through because in, you know, starting back in school, we're, we're taught to care what other people think about us and whether they think we are good or bad little boys and girls, but you just got to get over Well, that. and I think the social, I think the social credit score is much more pronounced and important in cities. So Probably, yeah. if you live a more rural life, it just doesn't apply to you. You know, nothing out there applies to me on my 20 acre piece here. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever the hell I want, you know, within reason, of course. But if I step into a city and then, you know, let's say the social credit score is taking in place, well, they can ding you for jaywalking. That's what they do in China. That's a point off your social credit score. Mm. Jaywalking, being drunk in public, smoking in public, public urinate, just little crap like that. That all adds up to. Uh, ding you on your social credit score and then you're not allowed to do basic things like ride the subway and go into certain stores and go into certain bars. So they really do like control you like that. But if you're mm. in the country, no one gives a shit. <laughs> right. Or they give way they give way less. Then you just go back into common sense and respect. Mm. Have common sense, respect your neighbors and, you know, everything's kosher typically. Right. So one interesting uh, tidbit of information is the amount of law enforcement personnel per citizens. Mm-hmm. Grasshoppers versus ants. <laughs> right. So you have a statistic here saying that there's two and a half law enforcement personnel per 1,000 citizens. Yeah, and that was taken at the... That was done in 2011 so i'm sure it was after the 2010 census i guess oh yeah but um hmm. you know and that includes that's law enforcement employees so that's not just police officers and investigators that's secretaries that's wow law enforcement employees not just sworn police officers so if you think about how many so cops, then, yeah, if we're talking about like cops patrolling the streets, if you consider that there are 2.1 police officers for every thousand and consider that there are three different shifts that you can work as a police officer, there's not even one full officer for a thousand people. Wow. So, that gives you a 0.1% chance, not even a 1%, a 0.1% chance of a cop-to-person interaction. Right. I, I mean, it, obviously, there's lots of variables, but in the most general sense. Yeah. Uh, 0.1 so, cop per 100, you know. Yeah, right. So the 
the idea that you should really concern yourself about whether or not you're breaking laws when it comes to especially stuff like traffic violations and things like that. Mm -hmm. You just have to be like me when I'm driving, my head's on a swivel. And it's because I'm, yeah, I want to know where every cop is because I'm driving dirty all the time. Right. You know, if I see a cop, I just get off the road and I pull into a parking lot or I do, you know, any number of tricks that I have up my sleeve to avoid the cops. But then even if you get caught, like even if you get caught, so what if I've got to spend a few hours in jail? Like, it's just not that big a deal. It's not the end of the world that you think it might be. Well, that's the thing is they overinflate the penalties. So they make you feel like you are going to be in so much trouble uh, but the reality is, is the penalties are usually much less severe. So, for example, if you get audited by the IRS, let's say you finagle your taxes a little bit and you get audited by the IRS. An audit is simply an attempt for you to right your wrong. So the worst case scenario is you might get a small fine and then you correct your taxes and you submit them and it's done. So it's not Mm -hmm. even that big of a deal to get audited. An Mm -hmm. audited is a check. Oh, you said this on your taxes. It seems odd. We are checking. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So to go and expand upon your cop per human or cop per civilian ratio, in 2019, there were 73,554 IRS workers. That's so, a tiny number. That is minuscule. 70,000. Let's see. How many people filed taxes in 2019? 111 million individual income tax returns. So we take 79,000. We divide by 111 million. And we're looking at... Um, oh. Okay. We're at 7.1 minus four that's like so that'd be point zero 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 seven irs workers per tax filers so there's seven irs workers for every ten thousand people is that what you're saying there's seven irs workers per every is it ten thousand let's see well it's point zero 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 seven. There's seven IRS workers per hundred thousand people. Per hundred thousand. Yeah, nothing. Seven IRS workers per hundred thousand. So what they do is they send out. What they do is they have automated. They have automated a good chunk of this. So if there's like a unusual um, tax return, or you get the random audit, which is extremely scarce, but it happens, uh, they'll send an auto letter. And you'll get an automated letter. You can defeat that automated letter so easy. I mean, the chances of them letter, even following up. <laughs> yeah, that automated yeah. letter makes most people's butt pucker. Yes, and it's nothing. You, it, They literally will not even follow up on that automated letter. Because out of 111 million taxes, there's 73,000. So how many automated letters? And that's, that's IRS workers. That's not IRS auditors, again. Mm-hmm. Those are not... Out of that 70,000 workers, how many are doing audits? 
Right. And then this year, shit's so haywire because of 2020 crazy, you know? And they make that process very sucky. Like, if you actually get audited, it's a sucky process. Like, they drag you through the weeds. You've got to come up with all these papers. You've got to... You've got to try and prove this and try and prove that and give us your receipts for the last 90 years or whatever it is they say. But they want it to be a very painful experience so that you tell all your friends what a painful experience you went through. And after that experience, you will be you will be self-monitored because you do not want to go through that again. Yep. They'll make an example out of you. And for me, I I don't even care about that because I do keep my own receipts. I can prove everything to them. And uh, my brother went through an audit because he had about, oh, I don't know, $90,000 worth of uh, cryptocurrency income that flowed in and out of his bank that he did not report. Sent a red flag. They audited him. I was very scared for him at the time. I wasn't as woke on the system yet. He went through the audit. He paid a penalty of maybe 1500 bucks. He was able to show all of his receipts and transactions. He ended up making $4,000 back that year on his tax return. So the audit actually made him money. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's how I think. Oh, you're going to audit me? Guess how much uh, expenses I have that I didn't even put on my tax return. Now you are going to pay me for your silly audit. That's my yeah. viewpoint on it. Right. I'm like, please go ahead, please audit me because I save every, I save every single freaking receipt in existence. It's easy. Stuff it in a damn envelope, put it away, and if they want to audit me, oh yeah, let's ha- let's do this. Let's have fun. I'm gonna make money off this audit. Turn lemons into lemonade. So right. That's my rant. That's my IRS rant. Uh, point being, don't trip. <laughs> don't be tripping. Yeah. Don't be tripping. I mean, you know, shit. you've got to pay attention. I ain't reporting there's, shit. There's, there's consequences out there. You just, you need to convince your, you need to evaluate closely what those consequences, first of all, how likely are the consequences? And then if you do suffer consequences, how bad are they really? Like for me. Right. Going and sitting a few hours in jail sucks. I hate it. I get tired of it. You know what I mean? But I know that yeah. it's not the end of the world. But for you, it's worth it because you are standing for what you believe in and you are practicing what you preach, uh, applicable agorism, not just buying into the philosophy of it and the niceties and arguing on me we about it, but you're actually practicing like, yes, I'm an agorist, and no, I do not believe in licensing and permitting, and yeah, I will go to jail for a few hours for it. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to find better ways to doing it. Like, I'm going to find new ways around it. We had that interview with um, with Kelly, who talked to yeah. me about trusts, which I've That's a very interesting started, concept. Um, yeah, I've started implementing that, and so that, at least for, at least for one, my my vehicle is going to look legal from it is actually going to be legal. Like the tag is going to be legal, but I'm going to do it in such a way that I'm giving the money less, less money than if I just went down there and bought a tag like everybody else does. Right. 
Because I do get tired of going to jail, and if I can be smarter about it oh, and avoid yeah. it, I'm going to. I only went to jail once for a few hours, and uh, I got out of there. And I didn't want to go back, so it was kind of a big deal to me. But, it, you know, in all retrospect, it really wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that bad. But And then on my side of things, you know, I am the ultimate, like, I don't evade taxes. I fully embrace taxes, and I am fully equipped to work my taxes to my benefit every year, and I do. And I'm always evolving that strategy. So my next strategy is to... Uh, do the the incorporation and uh, doing DBAs under the corporation uh, strategy, which is what rich people do. If you really don't want to pay taxes, just learn from what rich people do and you'll be fine because they have it all figured out. Because right. rich people don't pay taxes. Rich people, it is the lower class and middle class that pay taxes. Rich people don't because they figured it out because they don't want to give... 30-40% of their millions of dollars to Uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. uh, but this should all be this will all be in a book that we are writing The Agorist Survival Guide and it's a big book it probably won't be out for a while but we are going to organize all of our tips, tricks, and hacks to surviving this world uh, beyond the system and using the system to our advantage in a book and it will be great i'm very excited if we could have it done by the end of this year i would be happy for us it, it's a really big project but um i think the audience would really enjoy it i think we could help a lot of people out and we have developed as lifelong agorists or close to lifelong agorists we have developed these strategies that work yeah so that's one to look for down the road. Well, do you have anything else to add to the topic? No. Nope. No, it's uh, it's really. Uh, I'll just reiterate that it's a it's a game. It's a game of yeah. cat and mouse, and the the best strategy I have found is that I organize my life in such a way that makes it easier for me to avoid the system as much as possible right you know it's a conscious yeah, and that's it's a conscious strategy and that's where you and i differ a little bit because i tend to work the system more than avoid the system and uh and that's you know a different strategy of agorism i think yeah. it's i still consider it agorism other you know philosophical people might not but i'm not a philosophical agorist i'm an applicable i'm a practicing and yeah, when you're actually I, practicing it in real life then a lot of times it behooves you to work and play in the system than just fully opt out you know and i am moving more in that direction whereas uh you know i've come to the realization that i think a hybrid between both of our strategies is probably the best strategy like in the places so. in the places in your life where it makes sense to remove yourself from the system, do it. And in the places in your life where you need to game the system, then do it that way. I think a hybrid yeah. is probably, that's where I'm moving more in a hybrid direction. Whereas before I was full on, I, I, I don't want to leave a fingerprint in the system. 
Yeah, which, you're a full-on um, maxi agorist. That's what I'll yeah, call you. Which is which is very hard to do, and it's extremely inconvenient. Right. So. Yeah, that's just common sense, you know. That's common sense agorism. Play where you can, opt out where you can. You know, that would be a good uh, topic to cover in the book as well. I'm really excited for this book. Mm-hmm. Now we just need to make it happen. <laughs> right. I just made us accountable by telling our audience about the book, so. <laughs> That's all right. That's what worked the last time. It worked the yeah. last time with uh, how to start a stealth business using counter-economics. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good time to wrap it up. Uh, the Off-Grid Outpost is changing into the Off-Grid Agorist Show, so uh, we will have a new domain URL and not much else is going to change for you. It's a big change for us. Um, but we just want you all to be aware of that. And uh, at the moment, you can still go to theoffgridoutpost.com and uh, shoot us a message through our contact form if you'd like to contact us or leave us a voice message right here on uh, the platform. Uh, we do uh, our platform through Anchor. At the moment, we're also upgrading our platform to... What are we going to? Captivate. Captivate, which should be a better change for our audience as well. So we all appreciate you uh, tuning in and join us next time. Talk to you later. Later.